Good morning. Thank you, Second Central. Um, so I am, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an alum of their alum, alumni, I don't really know exactly how to say that, of Covenant. Um, I'm really not that far removed from all of you guys. Um, and so, um, honestly, as I've been thinking about what, you know, as I get up on stage and, and address these people in which I once sat in their seat a couple years ago, what is it that I have to offer? And I think oftentimes that's the question that, that we're asking ourselves. What is it that we have to offer? What are we a part of? What are we engaged in? Um, so I want to share a bit of my testimony, a little bit of my story, and then kind of um, deviate from that and, and spend some time talking about prayer, um, something which the Holy Spirit has really been teaching and leading Savannah and I in. Um, for, for the last couple of years um, and before that even. So um, let me pray and then, yeah, there we go. That's, I, was, I was looking for that. So this, th these are the small humans of the girl variety that Chaplain Lowe was. Um, Georgia Lee and Evangeline um, and then my beautiful wife, Savannah. So let me pray and then we'll, we'll get going. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity. I pray that you would be sending your spirit even now as I pray, that you would remove me and that you would continue to be glorifying yourself in this place. I thank you for your word. I thank you for prayer, this amazing gift to come alongside of you and work in kingdom advancement, to know that, that you, you hear, you care, you listen to our prayers. I thank you for sending Christ to live and to die, and his ascension and sending your spirit to live in our hearts, to teach and instruct us. I pray now that you would be glorified um, and that we as a community would be encouraged and enlivened um, in our own faith. I ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Um, so yeah, Savannah and I uh, met and married here at Covenant College. Um, so I got married junior year. Um, and Georgia Lee was born senior year. So I was the senior. There actually might be some fifth year seniors here who remember, but I, I was the senior walking around on campus with my stroller because Georgia Lee came to classes with me. Um, so I, you know, the, it was great to have professors who cleared that and all. So I'm curious though, how, how many students are married? Show of hands. Yeah, got a fist pump. How, how many students are engaged? Oh. Oh! <laughs> How many students are about to propose? No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's I'm just stirring the pot. So um, we met and married. Um, we've been in the area ever since. Savannah has been a teacher. I've been engaged in a couple of different uh, things around Chattanooga and restaurant management and logistics and healthcare and. <laughs> Savannah and I, very quickly on in marriage, as we begin this whole adulting thing and raising a family and figuring out what it even looked like to be married to one another, came to this conclusion, you know, there, there's no way we can do this without the Spirit's presence in our family, in our marriage, in this relationship. Um, and so it was, but well, before we got married, so six, seven years ago, that we, we decided we, we're going we're gonna to try to steep everything that we do in prayer. We're going to seek the Lord because we want to be a reflection of Christ through our marriage, through our family, 
Excuse me, I got a, uh, hanging out with my in-laws this morning, they have dogs. That should be better, now you can hear all my gross smacking noises. Okay, so, um, anyways, we couldn't shake this feeling that the Holy Spirit was placing something on our hearts, um, something more than just the engagement of, of missional work that we were doing here in Chattanooga. Um, Savannah teaching, us, you know, even our family being a mission field. Um, and so, basically, two years ago, God, um, as he continued to place on our hearts um, this kind of nagging, it's kind of got a negative connotation to it, but it, it wasn't this just desire that perhaps the Holy Spirit is, is calling us into something more. Um, and so we embarked on this whole uh, vetting process with MTW. Um, and, you know, I won't bore you with all the details because I'd rather be talking about prayer. So essentially the past two years, God has been teaching Savannah and I a whole lot um, about many different things, but prayer being one of those, as we have walked down this path with MTW and, and now find ourselves at a point where we're joining a Muslim ministry team of all things in a, a large metropolitan city over in Western Europe um, and learning Farsi um, because it's, it's, oh, there we go, okay. Um, so Bechir, did I say that right? Oh, okay. It's like, good morning, salam. Um, Anyway, so engaging in, in Persian ministry work over there in Western Europe and still being pretty scared, daunted by that, this task of moving our family overseas. Um, but this topic of prayer has been one that the Holy Spirit has been teaching Savannah and I some, some, wonderful, some wonderful things the past two years. Um, so we have colleagues at MTW um, who I'm going to be borrowing heavily from with the material that I'm about to share for, with you guys. So Ken and Tammy Matlick are uh, prayer mobilizers with MTW. Um, so I'm kind of basically going to plagiarize a good bit of what they shared with us and some trainings that we received going through MTW because it was such an encouragement to Savannah and I, uh, and I hope to be able to share that same encouragement with you. Um, so prayer is God's idea. Wow, it's crazy. Like, okay, I get it. There is a cyclical pattern that we see in Scripture um, that goes like this. God reveals his purposes to his people. Secondly, the people, God's people, pray for God's power to bring about those purposes. And then thirdly, God releases his power to bring about his will and his purposes. So it seems kind of simple, straightforward, um, but when you start thinking about that, you know, so let's, let's look at the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us, his disciples, to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm not gonna go on, but even in that first section, we, we hear and we see Jesus telling us to pray for the kingdom to come, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even to pray for our daily bread. But then we go, wait a second, there are other places in Scripture. I mean, we know how as believers, you look at Revelation, we know every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Um, or you look at the, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, don't be anxious. You know, look at, look at the lilies of the field, look at the birds of the air. They're, they're not toiling and spinning and freaking out like the, the Lord, our Father God, takes care of them. How much more is he going to take care of you, his children? And so it's, it's kind of uh, this, is, this interesting thing where you think about prayer 
and petitioning and asking the Lord to act and to move, even though he has already promised that he is and he will. And so I want to unpack that a little bit. I want to I provide some encouragements and some challenges to you guys, hopefully, um, the same sorts of encouragements and challenges that I received when I first kind of heard, heard this topic. So um, wh- why is it that we keep praying even though that we have all of these promises, this knowledge we're living in the already not, but not yet? Um, the short answer is because God has chosen for this to be the case. He has, insofar as he's chosen, bound himself to us and invited us into co-laboring with him. And we have this, this gift of fellowship, this opportunity through prayer to work alongside of God, the creator of the world, and bring about his kingdom advancement, his kingdom here on earth, wherever it is that God calls us. You know, as brothers and sisters, we're all called as missionaries. You know, you don't just magically become one when you hop on a plane and fly overseas somewhere. The, the, as I said a little bit earlier, kind of touching on that, this idea that every single field, every single place that God calls us, home, church, community, neighborhood, is an opportunity to engage as a missionary, as a reflection of Christ. So I want to I look at um, two stories in scripture, real briefly. Um, the first one is Elijah. So 1 Kings 16, 17, and 18. Um, the people of God are rebelling against God, per usual. King Ahab, not a great dude. It, it hasn't rained for three years. Elijah goes to King Ahab and he says, hey, rain's coming. I want you to gather all the people at Mount Carmel and bring all the prophets of Baal too. So you know, that, you know that story, the whole prophets of Baal and they're cutting themselves and trying to make their gods rain down fire on the altar and Elijah has his set up and God absolutely smokes that altar and then they kill the prophets of Baal. Um, and then Elijah says to King Ahab, the, the spirit of the Lord has come to me and, and rain is coming. And so King Ahab goes off and he parties. You know, like we would, I guess, I guess that's probably what I would have done. This idea that, you know, step number one, God reveals his purposes to his people. He's revealed the rain's going to come now. The rain's going to come. Ahab goes and parties. Elijah goes to the top of Mount Carmel, and he begins to pray, very laboriously so, for it to rain. And yet he's, he's the prophet, Elijah. You know, God just spoke to him and said, hey, rain's coming. Go tell Ahab. Go tell the Israelites. And his response is to go up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he does this uh, very, you know, that he prays seven times. So, you know, we see that in Scripture all the time. He squats, it says he squats down with his head in between his knees like this. Like a very, is this, this is attractive? He prays, he prays like that. He keeps sending his messenger, hey, go stand at the edge of the cliff and tell me if you see rain clouds coming. No, I don't see anything coming. He prays again. He prays again. Seven times he does this. Um, the reason for that stance is apparently that was a stance for that women adopted in bearing children. And like when, you, when it's time to give birth. That, and so this, what, what we see here is this imagery of Elijah knowing that that was a stance for childbirth and adopting it and his desire to labor in prayer alongside of God to bring about what, 
what God has already promised would come, a purpose that God has already revealed to his people. And yet what Elijah recognizes is that as God's people, he, we, are called into accepting that invitation to pray God's purpose and his will and his kingdom into our lives. God releases his power to bring his will. So eventually the rain clouds come up. It's a massive, it says the skies are darkened and the wind's whipping around. Um, God God acts. So the the question then becomes, all right, so who brought the rain? Did, Did Elijah pray it in or did God send the rain? It's both. It was, it was a unison, as I said, a co-laboring of accepting an offer from God to engage in his purposes and his will that he has already relayed to us. Another story is Hezekiah. King Hezekiah, Judah, uh, Isaiah 36. So the Assyrians are destroying everything. They're, they're taking all of the, the cities. Jerusalem is left. Hezekiah and the people in Jerusalem are terrified. The Assyrians march up basically outside the gates. He sends a messenger who speaks in Hebrew, who yells out up at the wall to, the, to Hezekiah and to the, to the Jews in Jerusalem, don't try to fight this, guys. We're, we've decimated everything else before us. Your God's not going to save you, obviously. Just, just capitulate. Um, Hezekiah sends word to Isaiah. He says, Isaiah, what, what does the Lord say? What's going to happen? Isaiah sends back and says, the Lord says, you guys are going to be fine. I'm paraphrasing. Um, you're, you will be delivered. Then the Assyrians send another messenger with a scroll, again, taunting God, taunting the Jewish people, Hezekiah, their faith, to, to try to rustle their feathers some more before they just lay siege to the city. Hezekiah, King Hezekiah has already received news, has already received word that God has, step number one, God reveals his purposes to his people. He's revealed the purpose, his plan, which is, I'm going to save you. Like, you, you guys will be fine. Hezekiah takes the scroll from the messenger with all these blasphemies against God and goes into the temple before God and again, like Elijah, prays before God, almost in like a, a, a lawyerly kind of way where he is making an argument and a plea and a petition in a long-winded way of, God, this is why you should save us, make your name great, um, bring salvation to your people. And he prays and he prays and he prays. And in the midst of praying, Isaiah sends another messenger to Hezekiah, who's there praying before the Lord. You know, Because, again, you think, I would be partying, just like King Ahab did in the other story. Like, Isaiah just told me we're going to be fine. So he's there, though, and he's recognizing his role as God's people to participate in conversation and co-laboring with bringing about the purposes that God has already revealed to him. Isaiah sends that other messenger, and the other messenger says, this is what the Lord says, because, Hezekiah, you prayed before me, I will surely save you. I will surely bring about salvation to to your nation and bring destruction to the Assyrians. And, uh, you know, so it ends with the angel of the Lord going out that night or the following night and slaying 180,000 Assyrians and they go back to their homeland and the whole Assyrian thing falls apart and God provides and they receive everything back. um, But again, 
what we see is another, and, and th- these are just two examples. I mean, you, you could comb through the Bible and find moment after moment, story after story, situation after situation where you see this theme of God the Father, the creator of the world, who many of us spoke with this morning in prayer, who was consistently offering to us in scripture, in community, in church, in spirit, his purposes, his plan. And, you know, we know the end goal. The, the, we know how it's all going to end with, with the, the serpent's head being crushed underfoot. I, for so long, the, the reason this was so encouraging and challenging to me was because I, for the first 25 years of my life, I didn't pray like that. I didn't, I didn't understand. I, I, I hedged my bets heavily. And I still struggle with that. This idea of when I pray, you know, as a good Reformed uh, Presbyterian too, my, my prayers are so like, you know, Lord, you're obviously so sovereign. Um, your will be done. Uh, really shying away from the specificity of what prayers can and should be. Because our Father does care. He cares about our bodies. Uh, he cares about our midterm tests. He, he care, I mean, he wants us to care about larger and grander things progressively, of course, but nothing, nothing is too small for you to bring before the Lord. Um, and so for me, this, this, this kind of theme of prayer has really knocked down that idea in my head of, of hedging my bets when I pray. And so this is the challenge. This is the encouragement that I want to be sharing and giving to you guys. And I hope that you're catching a vision for that. Because for me, it was like, man, I, I've got to start thinking a little bit differently than in, in how I'm praying. Why is it that I'm, what am I scared of? Why am I so timid when I come before the Father in prayer? Um, I want to labor alongside of the Father and, and the purposes and plans that I know that he has for me and for us and for the kingdom, which we are a part of. And so, you know, we, we of all people as believers should be some of the most excited and joyful and energetic people on, on the planet, um, if not the most excited and energetic, because we know that our Redeemer lives. So, Essentially, as I've been kind of walking around it, honing, I, I do this thing, Savannah says I do this circling thing when I talk where I just kind of like keep touching in on something and I don't actually get to it. So closing in on that circling and, and the challenge and the offer and the invitation to you all is know that our Father stands always as the Father in the prodigal son story with arms wide open. In fact, even extending the invitation to you to take, not just him seriously, but to take this gift of fellowship, this gift of prayer seriously, a recognition that you have been deputized, authorized, spiritually so, to work alongside of the Father in the work that he's calling you into. Will you take that call? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your encouragements. We thank you for prayer. I pray that you would be growing in each of us and in this community a deepened desire to know and to love you fully and a courage, too, to participate fully in the work that you have given us, whether it's as students 
or out in the world married or out in the world not married, whatever it might be. We know the purposes that you have revealed to us. You're extending us the invitation to pray to you that you might bring about your power to reveal and manifest those purposes. And then we know that you will. But we ask for the faith to ask, to, to ask for that in faith, as James 1 says, um, knowing that you are a God who gives generously. Would you show yourself to each of us as that God, as the God who is generous? I pray and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.